Anyway, we have favorite foods. We have favorite cars. We have favorite movies and TV shows, favorite clothes. And uh, sometimes we wear our favorite clothes till the, Mickey made me buy another light jacket because I wore my favorite black jacket I wear every day. And so she made me buy another one because she was tired of looking at me in that same jacket every day. She said, it doesn't matter what shirt you wear because you always have that jacket on. And if you're a Christ follower, you probably, and I hope that you do, have some favorite passages that you go to consistently that build your faith or bring you hope and peace whatever you need in, in certain situations. And I won't take the time to go over a few of my favorites, but whenever you need to find a passage. Bring a promise to your problem. Whatever, whatever problem you have, find a promise out of God's Word and, and use that in those situations because it will, it will bring hope and peace and encouragement through those times. There's a reason that, um, that we have favorites and there are some Bible stories that many of us, if you grew up in, in church, grew up in Sunday school or whatever, there's some of those Bible stories that are some of our favorites that we learned whenever we were kids. And those are the ones that we're going to focus on for the next few weeks coming into Easter. Can you believe it's, I mean, we're what, five weeks away from Easter? Just a side note. Easter is the number one time of the year that people are open to accepting an invitation to go to church. So if you have someone that may be far from God, I encourage you to start thinking about and praying for uh, God to lay some people on your heart to invite to come, for, to come for Easter. But there are some Bible stories that have been favorites through the years by even many people that aren't followers of Christ. And there's reasons that they're favorite because... There are a lot of great lessons that we can learn. I could take any one of these stories that we'll be talking or looking at over the next few weeks. I could take any one of them and we could spend weeks. We could build a series off of each one of these stories. And today we're going to be looking at maybe the one of the most favorite that we ever hear about that almost everybody, they've made movies about David and Goliath. Y'all remember the story? Some of you? Well, I'm glad. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know it or not, but I started to read the whole thing. I mean, 50, 52 verses, and, and maybe I should have. But let me, give you the, let me give you the basics real quick to set up for the several verses that we are going to read. The Israelites, we're going to, we're going to start, at, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Israelites were at war with the Philistines. They were gathered near the valley of Elah. 
the Israelite army was on, they were on one side on the hill on one side of the valley, and then the Israelites were on one side, the Philistines were on the other side, and they would come out every morning and every evening, they would get out of their tents and they would come with a big war cry, kind of like Braveheart, if you remember that movie. And they would do that Braveheart type thing. And then this nine foot plus Philistine guy would come out and he would start taunting God's army, the Israelites, and saying, let's not have everybody just send one guy down here and let's fight. And whoever wins, then the other armies will just surrender and, and follow them. Y'all remember? Is it starting to click a little bit? Remember a little bit about it? Meanwhile, while they were doing this every morning and every day, and every, every time he would come out, the Israelite army would just go back into their tents. <laughs> so they would come out every morning and evening, ah, and then Goliath would come out and they'd go, ah. Meanwhile, David, who was just still just a teenager, was at home taking care of sheep for his dad. And one day, Jesse, his dad, packed some lunches and for David's three brothers who were in the Israelite army, and he sent David to take these sack lunches to his brothers and bring back a report of how they're doing. So I'm skipping a whole lot of the details, so I encourage you to go back and read the entire chapter. But basically, David gets there just in time to experience this routine of these armies coming out, and then Goliath coming out, and him insulting God and God's people, God's army, and he witnessed the entire army just kind of going back into, the, back into the tents. And he couldn't understand why God's army was allowing this to continually happen. He couldn't understand why the entire army, as well as King Saul, were terrified of this giant. How could they let this constant, constant insult how could they allow him to constantly insult and challenge their God without doing something? So he decides to volunteer. And that's where we pick up the story at verse 32 in 1 Samuel 17. And we are going to read several verses here, so just follow along. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. <laughs> I have done this 
to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he, is, he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And he said, and may the, <laughs> may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. And David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt as this ruddy-faced boy. He says, am I a dog, he roared at, at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you, I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, it's going to be hard for me to keep just reading. This is a big, this is an important point. He replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, whom you, this is who you have defied. Today the Lord, again, pay attention to where he, where he places the emphasis is not on his strength, not on his skills. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. <laughs> this is a different time just to let you know. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. The only thing he didn't put down on that was he didn't start talking about his mama. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. Verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack David, David quickly ran out to meet him. Notice he didn't go away from it. He ran toward him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and the Goliath stumbled and fell face onto the ground. While everybody else was saying, he's too big for fight, David was saying, he's too big to miss. <laughs> so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. 
with the Philistine, when the Philistines saw that their cap, champion was dead, they turned and ran. God, as we open up your word today, I pray in Jesus' name that you truly would enlarge our capacity of faith in you, O Lord. Bring hope and peace and help in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, there's all kinds of lessons that we can learn. I mean, I, I narrowed it down, and we're going to move it quickly. Don't get scared. There's several, eight points here, but we're going to move through them quickly. And you have your notes there. You can follow along, fill in the blanks if you'd like. The first is God orchestrates opportunities for great things to be done by people with a servant's heart. God orchestrates opportunities for great things to be done by people with a servant's heart. Opportunities are made available to those with a servant's heart. God is big. And he can work circumstances around. For people whose heart is turned toward him and have a desire to be used by him and willing to serve other people. David was just doing what he was asked to do. Even though he had been anointed, he had already been anointed by Samuel to be king. He had a part-time, he had a he had a part-time gig playing his heart for Saul, some, I mean, yeah, for King Saul some. But the rest of the time, he was just watching sheep for his dad. And his dad asked him to take some sandwiches to his brothers and make sure that they were okay. He wasn't insulted by that. He didn't, he didn't bow up. There's no record of him bowing up and saying, Dad, I mean, I know nobody else recognizes this yet, but you were there. You know who I am. Why are you asking me to carry some lunch up there? You don't see any of that. Because he had a servant's heart. And in the midst of that, God timed it perfectly. For David, just following the Lord, obeying the authority over him, with his, this carrying sandwiches to his brother, really thinking that's what he was going to do that day, he was going to say, fist bump his brothers, give them some tuna sandwiches or something, and go back, go back home and tell dad they're doing good. But God had a plan with a young man with a servant's heart, and he timed it perfectly where David showed up just in time to see Goliath come out and to see his brothers and the rest of the army come out and do their war cry. Come to go to church and have their shout. And then see the enemy come shout at them. And they just kind of tucked around. And he could not believe what he was seeing. But God timed it perfectly for him to see that. Because God wanted to show him, show everybody who he was. Not who David was, who he was. And God will show up and out through us if we will be a people with a servant's heart. All right. Moving on. Lesson two. I told you I'm going to go quick. 
Second thing that we need to know is that giants show up consistently. <laughs> they didn't stop showing up after Goliath was taken care of. But here, here's the thing that we... The same giants... The, the Israelites were dealing with the same giant every day. And if we don't believe God and deal with that, let him deal with that giant through us, that same giant will show up consistently every day. God help us to get tired of the same giant all the time in our life. To the point where we bow up against it. I mean, I'm not going to say that it was the right way to handle it. But a few years back, I was at Walmart getting gas. Some of you, I may have told some of you this story, but I was getting gas, and this gentleman that was probably in his mid-60s and about six or eight inches shorter than me got out of his truck on the other side of the pump and started pumping gas in his, in his truck. And all of a sudden, this car wheeled around, and this probably mid-30s guy comes out and starts just, apparently they'd had an encounter on the road before. And he came up to this 60-something gentleman and started putting his finger in his face, and he kept getting closer and closer. And I was watching this happen, you know, thinking, well, I guess I'm going to have to jump in. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Uh, I could tell you a story of me trying that one time. It didn't, work, it didn't go very well. But that guy kept getting closer and closer. And about the time he got to right here, that older guy kicked him in his leg and hit him in his mouth. And that guy just kind of backed up saying, I told you I'm on. And then he went back and did his, did like the Philistines. God help us to get that tired to where we do not have patience with the enemy coming against us because we serve a God that will, can pop the enemy in his mouth. Because giants will consistently come against you in life. And if we pacify them instead of bowing up against them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will consistently deal with the same stinking giants over and over again. All right, moving on. That one went longer, a little longer. That wasn't in my notes, that story. I was getting fired up. <laughs> you don't have to be impressive to kill giants. You don't have to be impressive to the people around you to be impressive to God. David was a teenager. He wasn't impressive to his brothers. They were making fun of him, get, getting mad at him for coming in here, trying to do what he was talking about doing. He wasn't impressive to the other soldiers. They tried to, or to King Saul. They all tried to get him, you know, just settle down. We know that you're excited and all of that, but settle down. 
He wasn't impressive to his brothers, to the, the rest of the soldiers, to King Saul. Certainly wasn't impressive to Goliath. But he was very impressive to the main one that he needed to be impressive to. The one who has all the power. I refer to this passage a lot. It's one of my favorites. Second Chronicles, this isn't in your notes, and it's not on screen, but Second Chronicles 12, 6, or 12, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord scans the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are wholeheartedly committed to him. God is looking for people, scanning the earth with his eyes. Man, is there somebody... And he noticed, he noticed the army going back in, but he noticed David out there with the sheep. It didn't matter to God or to David whether David was impressive to anyone else. His heart impressed God. All right, moving on. What and who impress you are important in killing the giants in your life. What and who impresses you are important in killing the giants in your life. <clears throat> Saul, King Saul, and the Israelite soldiers were all impressed by the size of Goliath. They were, in, they were impressed by his strength. And many times we get so, the things that impress us, that seem to be so big to us. And they are big to us. I mean, for us to do in our own strength. But they're nothing for God. So we need to allow, instead of all of our problems, and the size of our problems, or our circumstance, or whatever, our addictions, whatever it may be that seems so big, stop focusing on the side. Don't let that impress you. Get impressed by him. Begin to sing, welcome into this place. Because whenever we allow God to just come in and work all the way in every aspect of our lives, he can push out the other stuff. If we will make room for him, he can clean us up. In fact, you can't clean yourself up. I know you. Some of you are dirty. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, my God, too. <laughs> I was just kidding. That wasn't in my notes, I promise. He was more impressed at at God being for him than the giant being against him. God is on our side. Giants may look big and impressive when compared to us, but they're minuscule when compared to God. All right, moving on. Got to move quick. Standing up for God's name is more important than saving your own name. Standing up for God's name, another lesson we need to learn. Standing up for God's name is more important than saving our own name. If you're going to slay the giants in your life, God's name is going to have to be the, 
is going to have to be more important to you than your own name. Life can't be all about you. It has to be about him. And it's amazing what God can do through a person who doesn't have to survive. Some of you are hiding, or possibly, don't, don't look at me going. Some of you may be hiding, ashamed. And instead of hiding and being ashamed, just come on into the light where God can take care of the darkness because the giant of darkness will be pushed out by the light. God, help us. All right. Got more to say, but we need to move on. You must use, Seth, y'all can come on up. You must use what God has given you, not what others try to put on you if you are to experience victory. You remember David, Saul gave David all this armor that he couldn't... He couldn't use that. God wants you for who you are, not for you trying to be like somebody else. And he can take what he has given you, your talents, your giftedness, what you have, your past, even your problems, even your failures in the past. God wants to use that to slay some giants. Don't try to wear other people's clothes. Get your own. Let God do. Don't try to, don't try to, to live out what your mama and daddy had with God. You have your own thing with God. All right. Two more. Can y'all hang tight for just two more? Confidence and boldness to win public battles are received from winning the private battles. Confidence and boldness to win public battles are received from winning the private battles. David had confidence and he had boldness to take on Goliath because he had dealt with in front of everybody because he had dealt with the lions and the bears in private. And so many of us want to try to in our, in our minds and in, and in our hearts we want to do something spectacular for God. That everybody will see that God has done something through me. Whenever our first deal should be, God, you're, you're big enough to, and the lion and bear, I mean, I don't know that I wouldn't rather take, take on Goliath. Especially if that was a lioness or a mama bear. <laughs> 
I've seen whenever you women start fighting, that ain't good. Y'all do not fight fair. But David had the confidence to fight Goliath in public because he had allowed God to use him to fight the lion and the bear. Not to protect or not to save a nation from the Philistines, but save a sheep, a lamb. Goes back to the servant's heart and the bigness of God. In fact, many times public success can be very destructive, can destroy us. We've seen it over and over again, where public success was very destructive because of private giants that hadn't been dealt with. David had confidence and boldness to take the giant in public because he had already dealt with the lion and the bear in private. Then the last lesson for this morning. Giant killers inspire others and they reproduce giant killers. After David killed Goliath, the Israelite army, including David's brothers, came out of their tents, all inspired. They started chasing down the Philistine army. They were ready at that point. They were excited, ready to fight because they had been inspired. Did you know there's not a record of a giant being killed before David, but after David? At least four of David's men killed giants. Isn't that something? Because giant killers, and there's some in here, there's some of, there's some of y'all that I know your story. There's been some private giants that have been killed in your life. You're a different person now than what you were in the past. I look back here at Roy been sick, been in the hospital for over the last couple of weeks, several times. I texted him last night, said, man, I'm thinking about you. How you doing? Well, I'll see you in the morning. What? Patty, would that been the case, say, five years ago? <laughs> no. Because some giants have been killed. Some lions and some bears have been killed to where now he inspires me. And that's what God wants for each and every one of us. Is for us to, in our private times, and in our public times together, we say, God, here I am. You are awesome. You are great. Help me to stop focusing on all these other things and help me focus on you so that I recognize the giants that I should be going after in the way that you have me to go after. Let me recognize whenever the lion is over there sneaking around before it pounces. Let me take care of it while it's still sneaking. 
so that I can be a person that may be completely unimpressive to the world, but I pray that my heart impresses you, O God, to where you can do in me and through me whatever you have whoever you want me to be and whatever you want me to do oh God from packing lunches to taking lunches to somebody to winning a big impressive battle against the world let us be that people oh God in Jesus name